to Why Would You Bring That Up? Still the same host as last week. My name is uh, my name's Cameron. And I'm, I'm Mel. Yep, yep. Still just us this time. I know that we talked about last week that we were going to eventually have another another person co-hosting with us uh, just not with us this week again but we'll get we'll get into his stuff next week but today we are still this is part two of the sobriety talks and this time we're not we're not focusing on me because we did that last week and now it's gonna we're gonna get the perspective of this whole topic on someone who has been sober uh, now for over a hundred days still and it's uh, it'll be interesting, especially for me, just because I've been still weighing a lot of stuff from what we talked about last week, and um, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to hear his side of the story, just because it's it, this could potentially be my story, and it it'd be nice to get his side of it because it could kind of prepare me for something for the future, but maybe not. I don't know. Still, that's still up in the air. Mm-hmm. So, Mal, the floor is yours, sir. Well, one thing I want to say real quick before we get into it is if this is your first episode jumping in with us, what we want to do here is we want to have uncomfortable conversations and we want to be as raw and real as possible. Um, This, when Cameron and I have uncomfortable conversations about touchy topics, this is typically how it goes. And so we've noticed that there's a lot of people who miss out on the benefits of having these types of conversations because you are taught not to talk about politics or religion or anything remotely real. So we want to, in a, in a non-threatening way, we want to show like, Hey, this is, this is, this could be benefits that you're missing out on because you're not having these conversations. Well, and, and it's, we were especially the the millennials were raised we were the the last group of children high schoolers all that stuff that really didn't have a social media presence like there is today and we were always taught like you said don't talk about religion don't talk about uh don't talk about politics well now everyone talks about religion and politics and we were told our whole lives to never talk about it and so, so now we don't know how to do it respectfully. Yeah, now we don't know how to how to handle that responsibly, and it's it's a shame. So hopefully we're kind of starting to get ahead of how bad it used to be. I'm not saying that it's great where it is now, but I think that over time, 20, 30 years, we'll probably be in a better place because we went from zero to 100 with social media because it was MySpace and Zanga, and no one had those. Well, everyone had a MySpace. No one had a Zanga, so there really wasn't like this cross social media thing. But now you've got it went Facebook, and then boom, everything else just exploded and put MySpace out of business. And um, I, I still don't view social media as a terrible thing. I just think that it is right now. But in the end, we're going to come out cleaner on the other side. I think that this is just something that's eventually going to make these co- these uncomfortable conversations not so uncomfortable. So hopefully, maybe this will be what like most conversations will go like going forward. But who knows? Only time will tell. Yeah. So anyway, just uh, <clears throat> Mal, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so. As we as we talked about at the at the beginning, we're talking about sobriety, and uh, I am 
over 100 days in now, so I'm still getting my feet under me, I guess you could say, maybe getting into the swing of this whole sobriety thing. Uh, But what I want to talk about is a little bit of what I've discovered about my reasons for drinking now, looking back. Um, And uh, how I'm, how I'm approaching sobriety. Um, So with that being said, one thing that if you know me and, and odds are, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably know me. Um, I've been, I've been pretty open for the past couple of years about the fact that I've struggled with depression, uh, for my whole life. And like in last week's episode, I pointed out to Cameron that he had, there's a pattern of dependency and that developed at a really early age for both of us. But for me, I can I cannot remember a time before we were in church every week. It's just there I've just always been in church. And <clears throat> when I when I started realizing that I was uh depressed or suicidal, I didn't I didn't I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't have any kind of a coping mechanism. Uh, Church didn't seem like something you... Somewhere you could go to take your problems. Um, It was just somewhere you went. And so what ended up happening was... I had nothing. And I became suicidal. And was going to kill myself. And there's a whole long story. Obviously I didn't. Um, part of, part of what happened was, uh, I was going to, and I, in the middle of the night, you know, woke up and, uh, heard my sister praying for me and, and, and that's part of why I didn't. But then that left me in this no win situation for a long time, uh, as far as how I was going to handle this, because I didn't know a, that I could talk to anybody about it. B, that I should be talking to somebody about it, or C, who I could talk to, or D, what to even explain. Uh, because this is the 90s, you know? Like, people weren't talking about depression. So, <clears throat> it's... For me, the need to numb has been part of my life for basically as long as I can remember. Like one of my going, going back before, uh, depression a little bit. One of my earliest memories, in fact, my earliest memory was going from life is good to life can be bad. And I'm not going to say that caused all my problems. But I think that that right there, the fact that I can remember that happening and being in that situation and reacting to it that way, I think that highlights that from a early age, I felt the need to shut off. 
<clears throat> so I after after I decided not to kill myself, I discovered that diving into church was a good way or a passable way of uh, dealing quote unquote dealing with these things. When in reality, all it was was it was just it was my my mechanism of how I shut off. Because let's be honest, most people in church are faking it. Like it's just it's the truth, especially in that time period. People didn't want real. They wanted to look at the people who were the most involved in church and aspire to be that like those guys. They have their life together. I want to be that. And not saying that that's what I was thinking at 12 years old, but that's kind of the, the mentality that, you know, you're brought up in is don't let anybody see you struggle. So I learned to fake it really, really well. So well, in fact, that I didn't realize that I was faking it anymore. Like it got to the point to where I couldn't tell the difference. Like I, I thought my real feelings were the fake things. So me shut off was my default state at that point. And from that point on for a long time, my default state is not feeling feelings and finding ways to shut it off whenever it came up for a long time. That was church. Not saying that that's inherently a bad thing for church, but I was doing it wrong. Right. And I was treating it like this, uh, like a substance that I was abusing. So I even go to school to be a preacher. I end up dropping out life kind of, you know, I was going to play baseball too and, and got hurt at the worst possible time right before, like right in between finishing high school and starting college. I didn't, I knew what school I wanted to go to. So I didn't even entertain any other offers or anything. Uh, and then they, that school didn't offer me. They wanted me to walk on and I got hurt. And when I walked on, they were like, we don't know what happened, but there's not a spot for you. So in like a six month span, I went from, Leaving, like, I went from, I'm going here, I'm I'm going to school to do this, I'm playing baseball, which was a lot of what my mentality was wrapped up in, because everything else was shut off feelings time. So baseball was really one of the only ways that I could work out feelings, or even experience highs or lows. It's the only, one of the only times I would let myself. That's gone. <clears throat> and I, I... Was uh, was dating a girl, like childhood sweetheart situation. We broke up. I was searching for something, and the the roommates that I had in college, they were like, "Hey, come to a party, man." I was like, "I mean, I don't really feel like partying." And uh, I don't remember who said it, but one of them was like, "Dude, nobody goes to parties because they feel like partying. People go to parties to feel better." All right, let's try it. So, <clears throat> so I went to a party. I had my first beer, and I was always raised like 
my parents always said it's not a sin to drink. It's a sin to get drunk. And that being said, my parents don't drink. Like, never have. I can, I can, I was shocked a couple of years ago to find out that my dad had a daiquiri on vacation. I was like, you mean a virgin daiquiri, right? No. What? Like, blew my mind. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I, I had the drink and I was expecting, I was expecting God to like, be like, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. Right. I just, I was there. Yeah. I have been there. That's why I'm laughing. Because yeah. Anyone who grew up outside of the church never really had the, never really had that kind of conviction. Like we know people who felt bad for not praying after they ate a stick of gum. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 like it, it has, it can get that bad. So anyone who didn't grow up in the evangelical world, that is true. I didn't bless this dentine gum, and now my good breath is gonna be tainted with sin. You, you uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, I, yeah. That's only a slight exaggeration uh, from some people I've met. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, yeah, well, let's be honest, they're not listening. No, no. <sighs> I, but anyway, uh, Dude, nothing happened. The earth didn't shatter. It didn't stop spinning. Nothing happened. And and everybody always said, it's an acquired taste. You're going to hate it at first. Mm. You're going to hate it. I, My first sip of beer ever was Natty Light. <laughs> Dude, I took a sip and went, that's not that bad. Somebody, I my my friend, reached over slapped it straight out of my hand <laughs> and said, no, and handed me a Miller Lite. <laughs> said, try that. And I went, oh, that's better. <laughs> I mean, technically, yes, it is better. <laughs> technically, yes. Yes. So even, even like, even in my height beer snob days, I would still drink a Miller Lite because it was nostalgia for me. And anyway. <clears throat> I, I will drink Miller Lite if it's the only light beer available. That, it was the only light beer I would drink. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Yes. That's what I mean. It's the only one. Like if if, if there's butter cores. Oh no. No. Which is funny, considering. Yeah. That I used to just drown in it. Anyway, go yeah. on. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I don't remember if it was the next night, or no, it was the next weekend. Did you get drunk that night? No. Okay. I just I had that beer, and that was it. Probably. Yeah, it was the my most responsible night ever of drinking. <laughs> was your first night ever of drinking? Was my first night ever of drinking. Are you Jesus? I don't know. I, I mean, there there have been nights when I had one and stopped. So I'm not going to say that for sure. But that but it's was a, the weakest beer. Yeah. So, but still, that that's still pretty amazing. I was waiting to hear like some kind of crazy story, but then I realized. You're telling the story and not me, because <laughs> if it was me, I would have had like, I would have had four and then been hammered. But here's the here's the crazy part, right? The next weekend, so, this girl and I were trying to stay friends because we'd been we'd known each other since we were which, five. Which one? oh the the one that uh, y'all broke yes. up. Okay. Yes. Uh, 
because we'd known each other since we were five. And we'd only recently, like in the past year, gotten back into touch with each other and started dating. But then it was kind of like, well, we, you know, like, yeah, we broke up, but like, dude, we've literally known each other since we were five. Like, like we, we have to stay friends. And that is just a terrible thing to do. But I was 18. I didn't know any better. Nobody could have told me any better either. Right? So I don't remember what it was, but there was, it was just a rough week on me that next week. I think, actually, I'm pretty sure that next week uh, baseball practice started. Did you want to elaborate on that at all, or, or is no, it, I don't you, even, you need to keep it? I don't it? even really remember. What, uh, elaborate on with, on... with what happened between you and... Nah. No? Okay. Nah. It, I mean, it... We'll get there. I'll just say that. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and that next week was really, really rough. I'm pretty sure it was like baseball season start or baseball practice started. And I was in a dorm with baseball players and I saw them going out and getting to play and I didn't. And it was my first time ever experiencing that. And, uh, and on top of that, the breakup, let's stay friends, that new type of fresh pain. And, (laughs) The only thing I'd ever known to be able to shut it off was church. But I wasn't anywhere near the church that I grew up in. And part of how I would shut it off was being super involved. Well, most churches, when you just show up within like a week, they're not like, yes, please be super involved, person we barely know. So, yeah, I wasn't super involved with church. And that was what shut it off. I couldn't shut it off. And, you know, people don't go, people don't go to parties because they want to party. They go to party to, to feel better. So that next weekend, my friends were like, well, what do we want to do? And I was like, I want to get drunk. Mm. They were like, you just had your first beer last weekend. And I said, I've got making up to do. And they're like, yes. This is the crazy part. First time ever getting drunk. I think you I think I've told you, but what would you guess it took to get me drunk? Oh god, I said four Miller lights would have had me drunk. Um so I would probably I would probably assume for you twelve for your first time ever drinking. <clears throat> okay, well now it seems less impressive, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm it was sorry. it was it was six I don't remember if it was Miller Lights, but it was a six pack and uh two shots of vodka. Okay. And, uh, that's still, yeah, I did. I did three shots of Jim Beam prom night and was gone. I don't remember prom night. Yeah. So this is a theme. I have always had a tolerance. I don't know. Like literally people are, Oh no, no, you build it up. Like, yeah, I built it up, but it also started pretty high, like pretty high. For the first time, second time ever drinking, period. That's, you know. So, now to to elaborate on the situation. This girl was my first crush ever. At, At five, I had a crush on her. Like, 
I don't remember. I think when we were like 10, maybe 12, her family moved away. But in that whole time, it was everybody knew I had a crush on her. And I was, like, we weren't dating. Like, you're, you know, whatever. You don't date at nine. But, like, I was like, you, I was trying to convince her to be my girlfriend the whole time. And it never happened. But, you know, whatever. That's, that's life. She moves away. We lose touch. Facebook and all that stuff isn't a thing. But then, when I first get MySpace, first person I searched for was her. When I first got Facebook, first person I searched for was her. Fast forward. <clears throat> Mate teen. I am leading worship at church because, you know, getting plugged in shuts feelings off. You were playing bass, and this was one of the days that uh, it was a Sunday morning, and if you've ever been to a youth group Sunday morning worship service at a Southern Baptist church, you know exactly what I mean when I say people were asleep. <laughs> That's just how things were. People weren't, they, they just didn't get into it. So <clears throat> we decided we were going to mix things up a little bit. We were both really into Screamo. This was that week? This was that week. Oh, no. Yes. Fucking way. Yes. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Dude, you didn't know that? No. Dude, yeah. Whoa, that is such a weird coincidence. All right, I'm sorry. Go on. So, uh, I did my, like, I was the social butterfly. I kind of always am. You know, I'm a very personable person, but I was especially, it was like on steroids at that point because I realized if you talk to anybody for more than two minutes, they start asking how things are going. And I don't like feelings, which means I don't like talking about feelings. So I'm running around saying hi to everybody like a like a puppy on acid. And I don't know why I said acid. That wouldn't make any sense. Like a puppy on speed. There we go. Yeah, that's better. And although I got a great idea for this weekend though. <laughs> kidding. Totally kidding. He's not kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh so I'm running around saying hi to everybody. I am about to have to run on stage. Uh, and this, the youth group at the time, there was quite a bit of people and I'm, I'm running through the hallway and I look over to my left and I see my neighbor who I also had known since I was like five. And I was like, Oh, Hey, cause they, they sometimes went to that church and sometimes didn't. So it was kind of, it wasn't a complete shock to see her there, but I hadn't seen her there in a minute. And I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And I gave her a hug and I looked at the girl next to her and I was like, she looks familiar but she also looks really pretty. So that might be where I'm just, maybe I'm just wishful thinking, right? And I went to run and go run up the stairs and uh, my neighbor was like talking to somebody else and she said, oh, you remember so-and-so? And it was that girl. Mm. And I froze. We're purposely not using names just by the way. Right, I froze. And one of the things she always used to make fun of me for was when I was a kid, I had a really high-pitched voice. Not as high-pitched as my cousin's. You know those whistle key finders? My cousin's voice, no joke, used to be so high that it would set those things off. <laughs> I'm not joking. 
I'm not joking at all. Anyway, uh, so I stop, I turn around, and I walk, like, at the, looking back, I'm like, this is kind of creepy. But I just walked right up to her and was just looking her dead in the face, like maybe, maybe two feet away. And she was like, um, hi. And I said, I don't talk like a girl anymore, do I? Because that's how she always used to make fun of me and say I talk like a girl because I have a girl's name and I had a high-pitched voice, whatever. And she freaked out and it was a thing and it was all cute. And then the next day, uh, her because she was only in town for a little bit and hold, she was visiting from... Hold on, fin- finish the Screamo story, though. When the, 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 oh, oh, okay, okay it's coming. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm so sorry. I'll no, stop you're interrupting. Good, you're good. You're good. Uh, she was in town visiting from Tennessee, which... If you were listening last episode, or you know me, I live in Tennessee now. And I was like, oh, what part of Tennessee? She said Knoxville. And I was like, what? Have you ever heard of Lee? And she was like, yeah, I thought about going there. I was like, I'm going there. And we were like, oh, 18-year-olds who believe in destiny and, and like God... And all that, not that, not that I'm saying I don't believe in God, but like I, it looks different to me now than it did then. Then it was like the heavens parted and God laid his hand down and the girl was in God's hand and God was like, my son. Not an over-exaggeration of how it goes. No, I really, I really thought that. I really thought that. And uh, that summer, okay, so the Screamo story. This is the funny part. So we're like, I don't even think about it. And then they're like, now, dude, you need to go like now you need to get on stage. And the girl, and she was like on stage. I was like, oh yeah, I'm leading worship. Bye. And we go and my neighbor and her actually sit in the front row. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. You didn't know? No, you didn't tell me at all. And uh, this is the, (laughs) what's funny is... I didn't even think about this until it was like, oh, here it comes. Yeah, you are the we, Lord. Yeah, the we, we sang, a, we sang a, no, we started with a Shane and Shane song. What's that? You yeah. are, you are? Yeah. That was the first one yeah, we did? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, okay. We started with a Shane and Shane song, and we didn't have Cameron scream until... The very, the very <laughs> end. Oh yeah! By the way, that was our plan to wake people up for worship. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't was screaming. tell anybody we were gonna do this. <laughs> no, no, we not just at all. Did it? <laughs> it's like so the youth, great. The youth pastor came in and was like, "Why are there two mics?" And I was like, "You'll see." <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was fun. And then I'm singing, and and I'm like, oh. She looks like she's enjoying the music. She must think I have a pretty voice. That's so cool. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cameron and then comes here in. I come. Yeah, like yeah, with uh-huh. a long, loud scream. I almost passed out. Did yeah. I ever tell you that? <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay, did I Oh, dude, I almost passed out cuz that it was here's, fucking long. Here's the here, and here's here's a little bit of backstory on the screamo thing. We'd been doing it for months in practice. <laughs> and for months, months. They were like the rest of the band was like, "Dude, please, please we have to do this. Please." Was like, no, 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 no. And I don't remember if it was you or somebody. I think it was you said, man, 
They're not going to get any deader. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Well, because it was just you, me, and the drummer. That's all it was. No, there was. I think there was somebody else. Was there? I thought it was. Maybe, anyway, it, 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 it anyway, matter. it doesn't matter. Uh, and, uh, and so then here comes this loud, long scream, and I just remember, like you know, when something happens and you feel like a cold shoot of like electricity through your arms and your fingers, and you're you you instantly have to pee. <laughs> You know that feeling? Yes. That hit me. Okay. And I like side glance over and she like I'll never remi- I'll never forget this look on her face was what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. And we had a lot of people that were mad at us. Oh, so, so many oh, people. Man, that were was mad. so great. I love so it. So many people were mad. So, anyway. Anyway, that's just a little fun side story oh man one of my favorite stories ever and so she goes back to tennessee but we oh the next day uh her and uh my neighbor came and visit me at work right well she didn't have a cell phone at that point which i thought was kind of weird but it was also like back in the day before everybody ever had like everywhere had a cell phone so you know whatever uh they came and visited me at work and then they left and i was texting my neighbor and i was like i am so uh, they they visited me and we ate lunch so they came up for my lunch break and uh i I worked at the mall and i texted my neighbor and i was like i'm so glad nobody brought up that childhood crush that i had and she was like why and i said because then i probably would have had to admit that it came back and uh, the response that I got was, well, then she'd just have to admit that her crush came back, too. The cold Aww. electricity and warm fuzzies and I have to pee. <laughs> Y'all should see him right now. Oh, yeah. yeah like a little kid. Uh, well, here's the funny thing. <laughs> that wasn't her. That wasn't my neighbor. That was her texting from my neighbor's phone, pretending to be my neighbor when she said that. Yeah. Anyway, we start dating officially long distance, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend. We talk on the phone for hours, whatever. Right? She's, and I can't stress this enough, we were 18. Right, very young. She hadn't graduated high school yet. She was going into her senior year. That's important to the story. Because she didn't actually end up coming to Cleveland. She stayed out of Knoxville. <clears throat> and uh, like I kind of started to feel like life is starting to come together. Right? Maybe I don't need to shut feelings off anymore. Maybe I don't need to like life, life can be bad. Yes, but apparently can also be perfect. So maybe shutting everything off wasn't what I needed to do, but so like literally I'm at 18 thinking, there we go. Problem solved, buddy. And then rug pulled out from under me 
everything, everything within like a week, everything's gone. She breaks up with me. Baseball's over. Like for good. I don't have a church that I can go to. And I'm for the first time taking college classes. And I never had to crack a book in high school. So now I'm for the first time having to try to learn how to study on the fly. And it's just not happening. So for the first time ever, I'm failing classes. Don't have baseball. Don't have any coping mechanisms whatsoever. There's a whole lot of other drama that goes on with that. But that's the only thing that's really, really important when it comes to my drinking. Because that was... I, and I don't blame her at all. We, like I said, we were young, you know? But if I really had to point to a reason why I ever started drinking in the first place, it's that. Mm. Mm. I dropped out. Quit drinking. I, I drank on and off that year. And always felt bad about it. Excuse me. Um... Always felt like, oh, I was so horrible. But then also was a little bit of a, a little bit um, prideful in how much I could drink. Like it, it kind of became like a running thing in my group of friends and like the party kids at this school. It's a private Christian school. Like there, not a whole lot of part. Well, it was about fifty-fifty at that point. <laughs> kids that drank and kids that didn't. So. <clears throat> I drop out, I come back home, I date another girl that was not healthy for either of us. A um, lot of drama there, not important. What's important is I wasn't drinking, and I was so stressed out that at 19, my hair was starting to go gray. Um, and my dad gets laid off at this point, and I start, start having to come to grips with the fact that I'm a financial burden on my parents. And I need to do something about it. And I, this whole time, I'm trying out at different schools. I'm trying out. But my grades were so bad. Like baseball tryouts? Yes, baseball tryouts. This wasn't the same time whenever I smashed the watermelon on your front porch, is it? Yes. Oh, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> why you got so mad. It was still ridiculous that you said what you said. Dude, but uh, but I was, get why now you would say that. Because I never I, knew that. My sister was more mad. Because of and, the glitter in her car. Like, of course right, she'd be mad. Right, but I, I, I had to get mad with her. <laughs> you said, my family can't even afford groceries, and you smash groceries not, on my front porch. It's not that we couldn't afford groceries. It's that we were struggling to afford groceries. And I'm such point. an asshole. I text you, and I said, well, if I'd have known that, I would have placed the watermelon on your front porch, bought eggs and milk, and put that there, too. Like, I'm such a dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, oh god! So the whole time I'm not I'm not drinking a drop, uh, and I'm like, you know, my drinking days are over, buddy. Mm. I also was convinced I was going to marry this girl. Mm. Um, and you know that didn't work. Uh, once again, I'm in a in a place where. I had gone back to my home church, and so I had gotten involved there. That's actually how I met the other, the other girl that I had started dating. But then we had decided together, like, let's find a church of our own 
and like grow together there. And we never did. And we broke up and I had already like, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a worship leader. I was involved and I had already stepped away from all of that to go find another church with her. And like three weeks later we broke up. Granted, I, I was, I was a, it was bad for both of us, but I will say I, I was an asshole at the end. I, I was done with that relationship like about three weeks. It was probably around, around the time we left the, the church that I grew up in. We, uh, and, and I, and I the was, rest of us were done with it about three weeks into the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I was <laughs> done with it. And then I just stopped trying and I just let her figure it out and break up with me. Which is, that's shitty. So if you're listening, I'm not going to say your name, but you know who you are. If you're listening, I'm sorry. That was not a good thing to do. Anyway. A few months later, I joined the Navy. Because when was, I had when to was pay this? for, this was, uh, this was uh, March 7th, 2010. Yeah. So this is over, this is about a three year span. Yeah, I'm on my first deployment at this point. No. No, I'm on my second deployment at this point. Yeah. So so this is March 7th, 2010. <clears throat> um, I go into the Navy having a little bit of a leg up, having talked to you. I knew a little bit more of what to expect. And you told me, like, dude, don't date anybody while you're in the navy because you will get married and you will get stuck in the navy yes yes and that was great advice yes um but anyway i was super lonely the whole time yeah but trust me you oh oh my god dude worth it yes definitely worth it because you didn't have to go through you know who because because not someone like that yeah what but also because i'm not currently uh first class or a chief with a kid and a failed marriage. And now I have to stay in the Navy to pay child support. Yeah. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. And before anybody thinks I'm describing anyone specific, I'm describing like five people that I know personally. So, you know, it's a thing. It happens. But anyway, that's not the point. So I joined the Navy and I turned 21, uh, three months later, like three months and a week later. So I didn't actually have an illegal drink while I was in the Navy. And I had started drinking again after I, uh, after I'd broken up with the, well, I'd let the uh, other girl break up with me. And, um, <clears throat> I'd started drinking again. So it wasn't like, you know, Oh, now I've drinking for the first time in three years and I'm off the wagon or whatever. <clears throat> uh, so I start drinking and this is kind of, it's, is it unhealthy drinking what you're doing at this point? It's binging. It's weekends. It is? Okay. It's weekend binging. Uh, this is when I started, um, like my tolerance wasn't as, as high as it ever got, but I was drinking like it was. And so I was blacking out like every weekend, not, not every weekend, but mm, there were 52 weeks that year. I probably blacked out 48 times. So, not good. You know, 
But at the same time, I was fully back in turn feelings off mode. You know, I was firmly planted in that. I was like, this is the only thing that's going to get me through this is shutting feelings off and drinking. And I have a feeling that's how a lot of people feel like they're going to get through the military. I think it's how a lot of people do. That's how they train you to get through the military. It's in the song. Yes, it is. It's not a drinking man's navy, but also there's a line in the song that says drink to the foam. What foam? Root beer? I don't think so. Anyway. Like, you know that foam on the top of the glass of milk? That wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. No, it, no it's fine. I, I didn't want to interrupt. I thought you were still... <laughs> I thought you were going to keep going. No, I was, I was like, pause for laughter. Oh. Nope, just pause. Nope, nope, just pause. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, I want to say, like... Oh, I learned my lesson, and and uh, I I was I started trying to get into a healthier place. No, no, uh, I did something really stupid that could have cost me my Navy career and my life. Uh, and we'll get into that at a later date. But I woke up the next morning and I was like, I need to, I need to hit pause. So I, okay. Yeah. Just, just just give like a brief, give like a brief discussion of that. We will get into it on a later date, but just say, just say what you did. Uh, I went to a bar that had an event they called drink till you drown, which I took as a challenge and I won because I got cut off. Um, I had over 30 beers. Then my friend who was my ride was like, well, I'm headed back. And I was like, "Mm, I'm good. I'm going to go with these guys. They're going to another bar. And he was like, you've had a lot. You've been cut off. And I said, here, not there. He's like, dude, I'm not going to. And I remember this. He's like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to force you. But I think you should come with me. And I was like, I'm good, man. He goes, Okay. Uh, so I go to the other bar and I have more to drink. I start falling asleep mm. with my head on the stage that live music was being played on. They cut me off. They're like, you need to take your friend. And this whole time I'd been talking to another girl and that, then things were not going well. And I like literally had tried to throw my phone out, like just, throw it and my buddy's girlfriend snatched it out of my hand and stuffed it in her purse and was like you'll get that back at the end of the night anyway he hands me his keys and says let yourself in the car I'm paying the tab we'll be right out I don't know how long paying the tab and being right out took but it was too long because I stole the car and I drove around don't know where just drove around And and this is this is the story without all the funny parts, because there are funny parts. This is the story that I'm nervous for my mom to hear. Yeah. All I know for sure that I did was fill the tank, and the only reason I know that is because I woke up with a receipt from a gas station, <clears throat> and you know, strange keys. 
some, I don't know how, I don't know why they let me on base. I remember driving on base with the sun coming up mm. and uh, thinking, uh-oh, like too early. I haven't sobered up enough. I should not be doing this. And the guy didn't even stop me. He just looked and he was, all right, go ahead. Yeah, that's what they do. They don't check shit. No. Uh, he was just like, he's got an ID. It might be his. I it's care. someone's ID. You're yeah. good. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's got an ID and a bad haircut. He's, he belongs here. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway. Anyway. So I decide I'm going to take a month and not drink. And you would think, you would think that I would have learned something in that month. The day that month was up was a Saturday. We went to, me and my buddies went to the beach. Actually, I think one of those, I think the guy whose car I stole was there too. Uh, we went to the beach and we were just going to, you know, have a couple beers, whatever, on Pensacola Beach. And this girl that was friends with somebody had brought a half gallon of what she called hunch punch, which is like fruit juice and Everclear. And she was like, I don't want this. I don't feel like getting drunk. With the fruit in it? No. That, not that one? Okay. Yeah. She was like, I don't want this. I don't feel like getting drunk here. You guys have it. So we're like, uh, heck yeah. There's like five of us. I took the first swig. And I have a weird thing about drinking after people, but it never applied to alcohol. I don't know why. But I took the first swig and I passed it to the left. And my, my alcohol tolerance has everywhere I've gone has come like it's been it's come up every like it people talked about it at college people talked about it back home people in the navy talked about it so by the time the the half gallon got back to me as far as the swigs it went from betcha smith can't drink all that to I bet he could drink it but not in one go to he should try and see how far he gets to here you go, Smith, chug. And I went, okay. And I chugged it. Like, chugged it. All of it. How much how much was how big was the pitcher? It was a half gallon. And how how much did they take out of it? The, by the time it got back to me, there was probably a quarter to a third missing off the top. Okay. Remember, I took the first swig. Yeah, you took a swig too. So I chugged the rest of it. That's all I remember. Somebody has videos. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Somebody has videos. I saw those videos. Uh, yeah, I got tackled so hard <laughs> that the button came off my pants. No, the, uh, those, the shorts I was wearing already didn't have a button, but I got tackled so hard that the zipper broke in half because there was two guys that had played college football and uh, they always argued about who could hit harder. And they're like, well, we don't have a tackling dummy, blah, blah, blah. The guy who's got the video, you can hear him saying, there's a tackling dummy. Dude, first guy runs up, spears me. <laughs> out of nowhere. And I get up off of the like off the beach and I'm dusting sand off of me. I was like, why? The, guy, the, the other guy comes up and hits me even harder from behind. And I go face first into the sand. And like in the video, there's sand clearly in my nostrils and in my mouth and in my eyeballs. 
not like, oh, it got into the corner of my eye. No, eyeballs fully open, both of them, straight into sand. Too drunk, don't remember it. So, hey, whew. thank God, right? Anyway, the and then the rest that of the was day. The fir- that was the first day after that month you took off? That was the first Really? Day. Man, yes. I learned so much today. And, uh, you know, I didn't learn my lesson. I was just like, well, that was crazy. You know, crazy times. So I go... And I have more drinking stories. And and some of them are really funny. Some of them are sad. From when I was in the Navy. But I went on deployment. And deployment was really good for me. Because... You can't drink when you're underway. And I was so terrified of how drunk I would get like the entire year before that that I was like, I'm not going to push it. I'm going to, if I drink, it's either going to be on base in Bahrain, where it's like all my friends are there and they're going to get me home, or I'm going to have one maybe two drinks over the course of a day and just be fine right so that was that whole deployment oh so you actually lived through that like like yes. you you lived uh, oh yes you, I, okay. Did, okay. I did that. okay i, I got i got drunk one time it was in bahrain uh and uh there was a the interesting story about this is there was a protest going on um they were protesting the fact that we have a military base there because a lot of the civilians, I don't know if you know this, a lot of civilians don't like that. So they were, they were protesting and uh, somebody tear gassed them, but the wind was blowing towards the base. And so we're all drunk. And part of boot camp is you have to, you, you get tear gassed. And so we're all drunk and we're sitting there. And then I was like, does that smell weird? And everybody's like looking like this smells kind of spicy. And I was like, wait, that's tear gas. <laughs> and so, yeah, we all got drunk, tear gassed, whatever. It was funny. <laughs> <clears throat> so I get out of the Navy. Like I fa- fast forwarding four years. Cause that's basically how my four years was, was every February I would stop drinking Oh, the the first February it was just like, oh, I'm just gonna stop drinking for a month. I didn't real, I didn't say I'm gonna set out to make this a thing. The next February I was deployed, and then the next February I was like, I should probably take a month off again. And then after that, I was like, I'm just gonna do this every year, right? So I uh, fast forward, and I'd never been hungover. That whole time, I would get blackout, belligerent, drunk. Wake up the next morning, be fine. Like, perfectly fine. God, I miss being 21. I was 24. Well, I miss being in my early yeah. my early 20s. Yeah. Uh, and Sh- never mind. No, I don't. Yeah, no, no, I, no don't. I don't. No, no I, don't. I don't. I do not. No, I do not. I, I take that back. And and that's, dude, the, the sad thing is I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's my, that was my life for the next. Hmm four or five years like 
not even just in the Navy. I got out of the Navy and I came back to Lee because I was like, I, I'm going to finish what I started. Did you That's going to be the trick. Did you not want to talk about what happened while you were on deployment? Does that not have anything to do with your drinking? Oh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, growing up, I don't know if everybody has this, but um, I was always like, I was always uh, close with my grandmother on my mom's side. Um, we just had that like connection. We bonded over baseball. She was a huge Braves fan. I'm talking, she would watch every game. Knew all the players, knew everything. And loving baseball as much as I did, it was in, like an instant connection, right? <clears throat> well, she had Alzheimer's. And it had been an ongoing thing for a long time. And, um, so I, I felt like I had, uh, already started to lose that connection f for a long time. And <clears throat> I was in the middle of, uh, don't feel feelings mode and, and, uh, never, like I couldn't, I didn't know how to process it even, you know? And, uh, while I was deployed, um, she ended up passing away and uh, you're supposed to get a red cross message uh, when a family member dies and you're on deployment. And if you are, <coughs> if you're close enough to, um, to a port to safely be shipped home for the funeral, you're supposed to be able to. And, um, I wasn't allowed to go home. Um, the 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 worst part was I was talking to my chief, so my boss's boss. Technically, at that point, my boss's boss's boss, because I was a third class, so I had second class, first class, chief, right? <clears throat> He's talking to me. And I guess he's trying to make me feel better. This guy, Chief Gates. I'm gonna I'm gonna use I don't know your first name, but I'm gonna use your real name, Chief Gates. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. I still am mad about what you said. Fuck you. Anyway, sorry, mom. <laughs> Fuck you, Chief Gates. <laughs> anyway, he had literally like three days before this just gotten back from it's called convalescent leave he had just gotten back from convalescent leave because his son broke his arm he was gone for th three weeks because his son broke his arm my grandmother died this fucker looks me in the face and says your parents would probably rather you be here than having to deal with that there Like, literally, I don't... I'm going to paint a word picture for you guys. We were in the middle of Hangar Bay 2. The Hangar Bays are the busiest section of the ship. They're also the largest, most wide open. 
Picture you take a super Walmart and you take out all the shelves, everything, and you put like three dividers in it that are that are rarely closed, and you fill it with helicopters and jets and shit, and fill it full of the same amount of people working twenty four seven. That's that's what the hangar bays are like. We're in the middle of hangar bay two. There are people around. He said that to me, and I went, are you fucking kidding me? He was like, what? I said, I'm done with this conversation. I'm done. Bye. And I walked away from him. He was like, dude, don't walk away from me. And I was like, don't say that shit. And I kept walking. I don't remember if that's exactly what I said. It's been a long time. Still, fuck you, Cheap Gates. So I... What, like before that, I would say that I shut off. I didn't really truly know how capable I was of turning everything off until that moment. Because that's the only way I got through the next two months. And I still tear up sometimes thinking about that because I still don't know how to process this, but I, before she passed, um, a couple of days before <clears throat> I had gotten, uh, a phone card and, uh, a message from like my higher ups, like you need to call home. And, uh, I called, and um, I was able to talk to her, but she couldn't talk. But <clears throat> I was the last person she tried to talk to. And then two days later, she was gone, and I couldn't go home. So I just shut everything off because on top of feeling just sad and, and grieving and not knowing how to process anything, I, uh, I felt guilty because I wasn't there for my family. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, Fuck you and your sorry. <laughs> you can shove your sorries in a I'm sack. I'm sorry for crying. I'm sorry that it's boring podcasting to listen to me sniffle. Well, uh, <laughs> you're fine. Take your time. Anyway, uh, so when I got back, <clears throat> that's really when drinking stopped touching me. I would drink, and every now and then I would get drunk. But that's when people started pointing out, like, dude, you are no different. One beer to 12 shots deep, there is not a difference in how you are or how you act. And I think it's because I was able to shut off so completely 
that I would feel drunk and I wouldn't let myself act drunk. <clears throat> and then eventually I just stopped feeling drunk because I was so used to it that it didn't feel any... It, I'm not going to say it didn't feel any different than normal, but it was, it was just a different normal. Um, and that was my life until I came back to Lee because I was like, I'm going to finish what I started. That didn't work, but it's like, I'm going to try something to fix my life. And I think finishing something that I started could be the ticket. Looking back, I'm like, dude, I was considering going to the University of Texas and studying civil engineering. That probably would have been the better career choice. But as far as where my drinking was, that would have been bad. Um, then I met a girl, and I've been completely... I won't say completely emotionless, because I would get angry. And... Uh, <laughs> But I, I'd, I'd been shut off, like, as far as shutting people out. I would not let anybody in, period. My mom, my sister, you, people tried to talk to me, and it was arm's length, at best. And if you got closer than that, or tried to push closer than that, I got angry, and I pushed you out. <clears throat> um... And there's, there's, sorry, I'm skipping around. There was a moment when I was, bef after I got out of the Navy, before I went to Lee, that I started to realize drinking is, uh, is becoming a problem, but I have a problem that's, that's deeper than that. And, um, <clears throat> I had a big fight with my sister, and that's not, you know, not uncommon. <laughs> we fight. I joke around and tell her that her love language is fighting. Um, it's, like, half joke, but... <clears throat> we had this big fight, and my mom was, like, trying to talk to me about something. And then she was like, you know... Have you ever looked up the symptoms of PTSD? I was like, what? I was never in combat. Like, yeah, I remember staring at this fucking red light in the birthing every night trying to go to sleep, looking at that red light, and there's flight ops going on, and I'm thinking, I'm on the only target for miles, and I'm right under the thing that they would aim for, where our birthing was in the ship. It was right under the tower right under the thing they're going to aim for. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, they'll never make it, but that red light could be the last thing I ever see. That was a thought in my head most nights trying to go to sleep. And then, I mean, there's a, there, everything that was bad that happened on deployment, it happened in my sleep. So I started to, I, I already don't sleep well. But I started to, like, really not sleep. Like, maybe three, four hours a night. Maybe. <clears throat> that was a good night. 
so one day I'm back home and because uh, when she's telling me that like you know PTSD, I was like, no, oh, what? That's like crazy because I'd never studied it. I didn't know anything about it. All I knew was that like every uh, basically people think, oh, you you only get it if you get shot at or if like you're about to die and you, you don't or whatever. And that's not the case. It's called post-traumatic stress because it can be triggered by any kind of traumatic stress. <clears throat> um, and I was like, is she crazy? And then she told me, she, t- she was like, no, like, remember the other day when you told me to wake you up on my way to school? Cause my mom was a teacher. And, uh, she's like, and I woke you up. Do you remember what happened? And what happened was my mom cracked the door and poked her head in to my room. Didn't walk all the way in. Hadn't said a word. The door cracked. And at this point we were uh, staying with my sister because my parents were building a new house. And uh, I was asleep on an air mattress in the floor. And she cracked the door open. And I jumped to my feet and took a fucking swing. From a dead sleep to swinging my fist at somebody like that. She's like, you don't, you don't think that that's like, that's what that is. So I started to come to grips with the fact that I have issues, man. Uh, and they they go deeper than the drinking. But at that time I was like, well, the drinking helps. <clears throat> anyway, I'm still in don't feel feelings mode. I go, I meet a girl and surprise, surprise. I can't not feel feelings anymore. And everything's great for a while. It doesn't work. I'm glossing over a lot of parts. I don't blame her. She did what she had to do. Breaking up ended up being the right thing. Well, and seeing it was that that one was probably not that was that for you. I would think that that would be the hardest one that you had to handle because you had to drive all the way to her and then you had to come back. Right. No, no. I thought didn't you call me whenever you were driving to her? I no. I that weekend because she went to school there and then she moved to where her parents were after she graduated and it was about a four hour drive and I drove there to visit her that weekend. And, uh, as I was driving back, everything was great until like the last 30 minutes. And it went from great to obviously clearly things weren't great until the last 30 minutes, but she didn't let me know. And then the last 30 minutes tears and we need a break and, and we shouldn't talk for the next three days. Mm. And that's oh, what I called yeah, you. That's and right. I was that's like, right. dude, I think she's about to break up with me. Man. Yeah. And you were like, no, there's no reason to think that. Like, that's, you're overreacting, blah, blah, blah. Well, so that was on a Sunday night. Monday night, or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I didn't talk to her. I respected. I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You talked me out of it mm-hmm. at least four times. Right, right. <clears throat> I texted her. Literally midnight, Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. Three days. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, hey, I, I hope everything's okay. I realize you're probably asleep. I just wanted to let you know, like, I'm, I've, I've been thinking about you this whole time. Right. 
I woke up to a text message that said, I'm in Cleveland. I was like, fuck. Mm. <clears throat> fuck, dude. She's like, I'm at my sister's house because uh, her sister still lived here. And uh, she's like, we need to talk and you need to come over. So I drove to her sister's house and then we broke up there. Okay, okay. Um, still, that was the first time since I was I was twenty was two thousand sixteen, so I was twenty seven when we broke up. That was the first time I'd really ever even dated somebody since I was nineteen. And we were literally talking about getting married. I I actually part of the reason that I drove down there to visit her was to ask for her dad's permission to propose. And just something in me was like, nah, it can wait. I'm glad I Yeah, that would have made things so much worse. I'm glad. But uh if you're listening, I don't know if you ever knew that, but yeah, that was I guess great timing if you look at it like that, but at that time I was like, that's the worst timing ever. But so I uh I'm already at the point where I can't shut out feelings anymore. And you've told me this. My mom has told me. My dad's told me. This was the time that anybody who had known me for more than four or five years was very worried about me. Because, like, I gave, uh, like... She deserves a lot of credit for bringing me out of one of the, like, the deepest depression I've ever been through. So deep that it lasted years and I wouldn't let myself feel feelings at all. You wouldn't even, good, you good wouldn't even let yourself feel drunk. Right. I yeah. literally wouldn't even let myself physically feel drunk. Yeah. That's how deep that was. And something about her brought me out of it. Like, I can't deny that. And she get I, I don't know if that's like, I don't think, I, I wouldn't say it was an intentional thing, so I don't know if I would say she deserves credit, if you want to phrase it that way, but, like. Well, you were trying to shut her out the whole time, though. Like, not the, the whole time, at the at beginning. The, at right, the beginning, right. I was like, nope, nope, nope. That's actually part of what came back to bite me in the ass. Really? Yes, okay, so. We're not naming names, but if you know her. I bet you didn't know this. <sighs> when right before we started dating, I tried out for the voice and I got made it, I made it to the callback rounds and uh, I went to Austin to do an on camera audition, but it wasn't the blind auditions. I auditioned in front of a camera for the producers and I didn't make it, but I was talking the texting her the whole time and uh we were flirting and all this stuff. And that was the first time I ever told her I liked her. And she said, don't tell me that. Right. Next day we go to a bar, you and I, this bar had a couple of my friends were playing music there. One of them was a girl who I thought was cute. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That I was a whole other this. situation. Yes, it was, Oh my God. 
But that resulted in her drunkenly telling me that she liked me and me being like, well, I like you too. Right? Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came of it. That's that. You know? I go back to school. I talk to the other girl. You talking about the one at the bar? Yes. Oh, dude. I know what happened. You don't remember? No, I remember. You remember me dragging you out of the bar? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm not talking about that. Later that night, she was texting me. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Dude, she... No. And she anyway. Was, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's a, that's yes. a whole other thing. Yes. <laughs> probably nothing ever came of it because we were both drunk. And uh-huh. probably she woke up and went... Well, and you didn't you didn't hear what she told me. You didn't hear what she told me in the bar. No, and I don't need to hear it. I mean, no, whatever. yeah, it's whatever. Who cares? But that's uh, that's why I was like, Mm-mm, getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> actually, no, you did tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You did tell yes, me. I did. Anyway, anyway uh, yeah, the car ride. Yeah, and I was like, why did you? I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I uh, fuck. <laughs> I I. Like I had texted her, but uh, and told her that I liked her too, and and I always thought she was cute, had a little bit of a crush, but we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we we sung at a few of the same places, and that was about it. Uh, that was really the extent of it. Like even to this day, that's the like. She lives in Nashville. I I, I don't see her. You know, like I took Amber to Nashville, and uh, we walked into Tootsie's, and I was like, oh. She sings here. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this might be weird. And everyone's like, what? I was like, this, this girl and I, we used to sing at the same bars in Texas. And, and you know, I thought she was cute or whatever, but like she sings here. And uh, she was like, oh, whatever. Like, is she singing today? I was like, I don't know. She was like, find out. Like, okay. And like, dude, just to highlight, just the difference in like, yeah. Anyway. Yes, yes, yes. What happened? With uh, the uh, the girl that I ended up dating was we I came back and and she told me that she was just scared and she didn't want to hear that over text message that's some conversation you want to have face to face and I was like at the time I was like I'm 25 like telling somebody that you like them for the first time is n- not a big thing it's not an important thing you know in my mind. A year and a half later, she came up to visit me. I went to work because I worked for like two months at a restaurant waiting tables. I'm not good at it. That job didn't work out. Anyway, while I'm there, she would like normal on a normal day. She'd text me. She hadn't texted me. I hadn't heard from her. That's weird. And I went to my, I went to my house and, uh, she was, she had been there. Her car was gone. Her bag was gone. And, uh, my old phone was plugged up and charged. And I'd caught her going through my phone a couple of times and she never found anything cause I'm, you know, faithful and I don't cheat. And I don't even come close to it because I think that's 
disrespectful and it's been done to me and I'm not going to do it. Well, you barely, you barely even mess around whenever you're single. So, yeah. So she found my old phone, plugged it in, waited for 15 minutes for it to charge, went through text messages from a year and a half before found where I had told that girl I liked her before we ever started dating mm-hmm. and thought, ah, oh, I knew it and freaked out and like grabbed all her shit and left and didn't, it wouldn't respond to any, any calls or whatever. Finally convinced her to come back and talk about it because like I saw the phone, I saw the text message and I was like, of all the things, like that, that is nothing. It's literally two days before that you said, or the day before that you told me not to tell you that I liked you. And then this girl told me she liked me and I was like, I like you too. And then nothing happened. Like that was like the night before I went back. (laughs) So nothing could have happened anyway. So that's what broke y'all up. That played a huge part in it. Okay. That played a huge part in it. We, we stayed together for like the next month or so. Did that take a little sting off of it though? What like whenever, mean? like like the sting of the breakup, like if that played a huge part in it, like once you found out that, did that help? Like go, oh well, she, she kind of did me a favor. Uh, I won't say that. No, I don't think it. I I, I wasn't thinking about it like that. Um, now I would say, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like if we would have stayed together, the whole going through my phone thing, like. It bothered me. It always bothered me. Because I'm the type of person, like, if you say, hey, let me look at your phone, I'll hand you my phone. Like, I don't have anything to hide. You know? But she would never ask, hey, let me see your phone. Because, like, she knows I don't have anything to hide. You know? She would always wait until I left my phone somewhere without, like, a lock on it near her and then go through it and try to sneak and find something and then get mad at me when I came back and she didn't find anything. So that was going to be an issue if, if we had stayed together. But how do you say, you got to stop going through my phone all the time without sounding like a cheater? You know, that's part of the reason why I never, never said anything about it. Because I was like, how do I sound, like how do I say that without sounding like I'm trying to get up to something? You know? No, I I like, might I might disagree with that one. I th- I think it's perfectly in that, okay. In that in that mo- like in that time though, I didn't I didn't know how I could do that. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just, you know, deal with yeah, it. Yeah, just yeah, just let it go. <laughs> but anyway, y'all break up. We break up. And uh and we're all worried about you. You're all worried about me. I handle it a lot better than I thought I would. I do get involved in a church. Um, that helped a lot. And it wasn't because I was like 
faking anything because I went into that situation bound and determined not to fake a damn thing, regardless of if it was like, this is a theological issue I have with what y'all believe here that doesn't necessarily jive with me, but I'm okay with it because I'm still here, you know? To, like, hey, Mal, did you drink yesterday? Yes, I did. <laughs> like, I would show up to worship practice, and I had a shirt that said whiskey on it. It just said whiskey. And I didn't, I didn't even think about it. And I showed up to worship practice in that t-shirt, and they were like, hey, cool shirt, man. I was like, oh, ha, yeah. And they were like, uh, that's fine. Just, you know, don't wear that on Sunday, dude. I was like, okay. But, you know, so they were cool-ish. And, uh, but I was just bound and determined not to fake anything because I knew, like, faking it is, uh, is like a one-way ticket to being depressed again. Well, because, see, I remember whenever, right after you and the mm-hmm. last breakup happened, I... I don't ever remember really worrying. I remember talking to you saying like, dude, it's nice to have you back. Cause mm-hmm. it always, it always felt like that. Cause we all knew. And I think it really helped that I was so destructive that I kind of was hoping like, I hope Mal doesn't fucking say anything. So I'm not going to say anything to him. And then maybe he won't say anything to me about my drinking. And so I had no idea. Like really, like we knew that you were pushing people, but I was like, okay with it. Because yeah. if you were to push me, then I'm like, I can go fucking be nuts and do whatever I want, and he's not going to say anything. Yeah. But then once that happened, and I saw your human side come back, I remember telling you that it was nice to have you back. I remember that, too. So. Yeah, I drove 12 hours home, and uh, yeah. and uh, everybody was asleep. You had just gotten off work. Yep. And I was like, well, I'll go talk to Cameron. And then we literally talked until the sun came up, and then my family was like, uh, are you here, or are you not here? And I was like... <laughs> I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm coming. Uh, (laughs) When I say my family and I say, are you here or are you not here? Everybody who knows my family knows exactly who that was. Yes. Uh, Anyway. uh, And, and, you know, things just. They were okay. Nothing was ever. It wasn't getting any better. You know, I was not getting any worse, so that was a win. But I still felt like I was starting to slip in some kind of a depression because I was just stuck, man. Just stuck. I was floating through classes. I ended up dropping out again. Uh... Less than, uh, at the time, it was about a semester away from graduating. Now it's, I don't know what the standards have changed or whatever. I probably would have two semesters. Anyway, I didn't graduate. Um, and I think part of that was because she, like, before we started dating, she was like, it worries me that you're 25 and you don't have a plan for your life. I was like, I'm, I'm 25, yeah, but I just got out of the Navy and I'm a sophomore in college. Like, what do you want? And so... I was like, well, I'd always thought about being a, a lawyer because I'm good at arguing, so how about I go to law school? And then it was like, oh, yeah, we're all good now. Like, you have a plan, so it's good. Like, okay. So not graduating, I feel like, was 
the lamest, most self-destructive middle finger to her ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not going to do it now. And I, it's a shocker, have not gone to law school. So, um, anyway, so I, I got a job back home and, uh, in, uh, back home in Texas. Yeah. Back home in Texas. And what, I don't know if she knows this either. The day of my interview, uh, her dad called me cause one of my good friends was still dating her sister and, uh, her dad called me and was like, Hey, I heard you had an interview. I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, I've done my fair share of interviewing and, and hiring and, and stuff like that. And, you know, if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. They're probably going to ask you these types of questions and look for this type of an answer. And they're going to want to have, they're going to want you to have a question like for them. And he's like, I don't know how they'll be, but I'm always impressed whenever that person actually has a question. The, the people that sit there and pretend to think for a minute and go, mm, nope. He goes, I don't know if that's the type of person I want to work with. I got that job and the, the manager was like, yeah, dude, you had like the best question for me I'd ever heard. And I was like, well, here we go. The funny thing is I dislocated my knee like two days before the interview and I flew in with, uh, with a, a giant immobilizing knee brace and I was wearing a suit to the interview and I get there and everybody's wearing t-shirts and jeans and boots and hats to work. And I'm there in a suit and a knee brace and crutches. And I was like, I am overdressed. Um, but anyway, that's not the point of the story. I get, to, I go on tangents. It's easily. fine. Uh, <clears throat> So I move home and uh, I start dating this girl that I knew from the get-go was bad for me. Like, from day one, I was like, I should not do this. But I did. I dated her. And she drank a lot. And my drinking was already like fairly substantial and it got to the point to where it was like every day after work drinking way too much, staying up too late, having to wake up at like four and go to work. It just wasn't working. It was like, yeah, it just wasn't working. So, Anyway, that that whole split happened. Are you drinking that much because of the previous breakup, or you know you're in a bad relationship, or what? What was the reason for? What or what were you trying to mask this time? Everything, dude. Yeah, just it was, still. It was yeah. It was still everything. Everything was too much. It's like I like I told you. There was a little bit of me seeing like myself in you. Was uh, everything is too much. And the only thing I know that takes the level down a little bit and numbs me up just enough for me to function is alcohol. And so that's what I was doing with it. And it wasn't even to the point where, like, I still couldn't tell you the last time. 
okay, I can tell you the last time I was drunk. It was the last time I ever drank. But I could before that, I couldn't have told you the last time I felt drunk. So I still didn't really feel drunk, but I was drinking to calm my nerves. Oh, I could tell you to when to be able to to be able to stop. Okay, okay, just <laughs> no, okay, fine. just I, making sure. I, I, I remember. I, okay. I remember. I remember. Preferage Farm remembers. Yes. Okay. Um, All right, just making sure. Yeah. I'm okay. Now I remember. But I don't know what day that was. Anyway. Uh. <clears throat> and if you you did ask me. If I was drunk and I was like, no, I was. Yes. Um, but I didn't feel like I was. Anyway, this is not the point of the story. It's just that's part of what I've learned now uh, in sobriety is uh, that I was so terrified of undulled feelings that I was... I wasn't letting myself get drunk or feel drunk anymore. Although I would still get drunk from time to time, but I was drinking enough to do the job for most people almost every night. And it was a, it's like, it was like putting icy hot on a sore back. It was like, I know this isn't fixing anything. This is loosening me up enough to function calming my nerves enough for me to go to sleep yeah <clears throat> yeah um so i break up with her there, i mean that's really only important to the story in that it was uh somebody else who was going through their own issues and uh I knew it was bad for me from the get-go, but I did it anyway and, and uh, you know, didn't address any of my own issues. I got laid off uh, and found the... I looked for work in Fort Worth. I did. And looking back now where I was in that point, it's probably a good thing I didn't find any work in Fort Worth because I probably would have tried to make it work with her. Just to be honest. And I knew that I shouldn't, but I couldn't find any work there. So I opened up my search a little bit and found work back here. And it was just crazy because if I had found work here in the first place, like six months before that, I would have never moved back home. Anyway. <clears throat> but I... I can't say that because I knew I, I thought moving home would be good for me. So I, I felt good about moving home. But it wasn't. Not directly. I think indirectly it was good. I think that last little lesson of uh, what happens when you date the wrong person yeah. was, was good for me. Um, and then I move up here and like almost immediately meet uh, who is now my wife. Hmm. I mean, I already said her name, Amber. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she knows. Yeah, she knows who she is. But anyway, I, I almost immediately meet her and uh, start dating. And it's like the first time in my life I was like, oh, oh, 
this is what good relationships feel like. What was different about this one it, that you feel comfortable sharing? One of the biggest things is she trusts me. And I, I mean, we trust each other because we've been both open, com- completely open about mistakes that we've made. And like, I trust her. She trusts me. And that I think just comes with maturity, you know? And I think that like, that just comes with the, I'm not going to say that comes with time because it doesn't come for everybody, but that's, that's just a level of, uh, maturity that I'd never had in somebody that I dated before. Yeah. And it was just so nice to know that I'm trusted because if you don't trust who you're with and they know it, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to say, well, if you don't trust me, I'm going to do it anyway. Cause I want to, or they're gonna be like, why wouldn't you trust me? I don't even want to do that. I'm going to go out of my way and I'm going to not, I'm not going to stop until you trust me. And I'm going to run myself ragged and, and like damage my mental and emotional health to make you trust me. And that's what I did. And if, and to that person, I would say, look, if they don't trust you, they don't trust you. They're probably not going to either live with it or leave. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we date and we move in together and then that ends up getting me kicked out of the church band that I had come right back to and started playing again. Um, and there's a, there's a whole thing there. It's a different episode. That, but that didn't, but nothing, that, but it, that, that removed one of my coping mechanisms, Right. And I'm not blaming anybody, but what happened was when that coping mechanism got removed, I started relying on alcohol more and more to cope, right? And, and to the point to where eventually it all culminated <clears throat> July 4th of this past year. There's a whole family drama situation going on. But I got drunk at an aunt's house. And, uh, you know, was mean. I didn't say anything that wasn't true, but I was mean about it. And I was drunk. And uh, Amber was super mad at me because she was like, you know, of all nights... I was supposed to be the one driving and I got hammered. So she had to drive, which meant that about halfway through the 4th of July party, she went, "Uh Oh, I have to stop drinking and sober up before we leave. It was, which happened to be at three in the morning. Mm. And so the whole time, whole drive back, she's just like, I'm going to get pulled over. I know it. I know I'm going to get pulled over. He's going to be passed out drunk in the passenger seat. And I'm going to go to jail because he decided he was going to get drunk and put me in this position, right? Understandably angry. Very, very angry. And justified. 
You know? Like, I would be angry with me too. <laughs> now, when I say that didn't affect my decision to get sober, <laughs> that's not, I'm not meaning that in like a callous way. I'm meaning I didn't even realize, I didn't know how mad she was until I'd already decided that I was going to stop drinking the next day. And what happened was the next day I woke up and I felt like a bag of hammered assholes. I felt terrible. And I woke up the next morning and I feel awful and I sit down on the toilet to do sit down on the toilet things. I'm just sitting there and I start sniffling. Right? And my nose just starts dripping blood. Like, it's a substantial nosebleed. And so I get that under control. And I'm like, what was that about? Because really the only reason I woke up was because I had to go to the bathroom. So that nosebleed could have happened in my sleep. I looked it up. And yeah, um, if you drink heavily, it's not uncommon for your sinuses to get drained out. And or sorry, dried out, and uh, you just randomly start having a nosebleed in your sleep. I didn't look up and see if you could drown that way, but I assume you can, and I was like, ooh, that's bad news bears, man. Like, honestly, that scared me so enough that I... Uh, so enough? That scared me so much that I was like, I... That's I, how much it scared you. Yeah, uh, that, that scared me so much that I was like, okay. I've, I'd been thinking about it, um, since a couple, uh, maybe a month before that I had been really thinking about it when, um, the friend of mine who was dating my ex-girlfriend's sister and, uh, you know, they, they'd broken up. So it wasn't my ex-girlfriend's sister, but, um, it was him and his fiance and me and Amber at this wine bar and, like, out of nowhere, somebody brought up my alcohol tolerance. And I'm serious. They talked for, like, 15 minutes about how they'd never met anybody who could handle their liquor better than I could. Wait. At this point, you know, like, when you go to college and people say that, you're like, hey, okay, cool. Like, that's kind of a, a cool skill thing about me, you know? I can drink most people under the table. That's, that's fun fun to brag about and you go to the navy and that still holds true and you're like i'm probably one of the best in the world like that's incredible when my navy friends literally one time i was walking back to the barracks from a house party with my buddy sharp uh well yeah yeah it's his last name yeah sharp. it's fine and he calls our other buddy uh, okay so we're walking back and i stumbled off of the curb and he went <gasps> and I was like what and he immediately it's like three in the morning he immediately calls our other friend who was on leave and he goes I just saw Smith stumble drunk and uh, I heard he wasn't on speakerphone I heard on the other end oh fuck I missed it <laughs> and I was like what like and he and and uh, the after the phone conversation was over, he looks at me. He goes, "Yeah, dude. Like, we've known each other for two years. We've drank together a lot. That's the most I've ever seen you affected by alcohol." I was like, 
what? Yeah, that stumble right there, that's it. That's the top. Okay. You know? And you go back to college, and people still say the same thing. And then you get into normal life, and people are still saying the same thing. At a certain point, like, you have to go, all right, maybe I'm not getting super drunk and embarrassing myself anymore and not making super terrible decisions like stealing cars. But for my physical health, this can't be good for my liver. Like, I don't want to... I didn't want to wake up at 45 and be dying of cirrhosis and liver failure because I'm a tank. You know? That's our cat. That's my cat's tail just hit the mic stand. That's what that thump was. So, so I texted a, a friend who has been sober for over 10 years. And um, I'm hoping he agrees to be on the next episode. He said he would, but we haven't actually like confirmed or anything. So maybe, maybe he is hopefully. Um, and I was like, dude, like, I think I might need to get sober. And he talked to me and, and by the end of that conversation, Amber still wouldn't awake yet. By the end of the conversation, I was like, I, yeah, I need to get sober. And, uh, so Amber wakes up and starts telling me about how mad she was at me. And like, I better never do that again. And I was like, well, it's funny you say that. And she's like, why? Because I, like, I literally just text Caleb. I'm going to beep that one out. I literally just just texted uh, my friend. Actually, no, I don't think I have to beep that one out if he's coming on the show. Anyway, we'll figure it out. I literally just texted him. We'll get one. Him. Yeah. I literally just texted him 15 minutes before you woke up that uh, I think I'm going to get sober. And... Uh, Normal, normally, and Am Amber's told me this. She said, normally, if, if somebody else had said that, <clears throat> she would have been like, okay, yeah, you're just hungover. But she said, A, I've never heard you actually say it. I've heard you say, I think I need to slow down. I think I need to, you know, get it under control a little bit better. But, you know, I'm not going to stop. And she said, as soon as you said, I'm stopping. I knew you meant it. And part of that is because I smoked cigarettes for like five years in the Navy and, you know, before. And uh, just one day, I just looked at it and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just stopped. And I have not smoked a cigarette since. I do smoke cigars from time to time. So some people would say, oh, that's cheating. But it's really not. I was smoking a pack and a half a day and I stopped just stopped. So when I'm done with something, I'm done with it. That's just how my personality works. So when I said, you know, I, I think I need to get sober, Amber was like, all right, he's going to get sober. What was it that Caleb, uh, what was it that Caleb said to you that convinced you? Like, cause you said at the, by the end of that conversation, you knew, is that something you're comfortable sharing or is that going to have to was, wait and see if he's going to be on the podcast? Well, it was more like, the support, not anything specifically that he said. Uh, it was more of him just getting out of the way and saying, 
you know, if that's the decision that you make, you know, I'm here and you can talk to me and, and I can help, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you one way or another, uh, one way or the other, what you need to do. <coughs> and, uh, you know, by the end of that conversation, I was like, yeah, this is what I need to do. And since then, I'm pretty sure I said this on the last episode, but since then, I have never experienced the level of mental clarity that I have now. What's different? Don't say mental clarity. I understand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the biggest difference physically from me is that my body isn't having to start the day trying to make up for yesterday. Um, I don't have headaches as much. I don't snore as much. I do have... Yeah, see, that's the only time I snore is if I'm drunk. I do I do snore still. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have sleep apnea, but oh my goodness, it was bad when I was drinking. Yeah. Bad. Amber was like, it doesn't even matter if you're drunk. You could have two and... There would be times that she would wake up and like not hear me breathing and have time to like think about it and sit up and look at me and have to nudge me before I breathed. Yeah, it's definitely sleep apnea. So <clears throat> that's that's not completely gone, but that's a I mean it's been a lot better. You've um, probably lost weight. And that's probably like that's probably something that's helped. I don't know if I've lost helped. weight so much as I've lost a lot of bloating. Right. I yeah. That's that's what thinner. I that's that's what I mean. Like okay. it, it's it's usually people if you look at them and they're they're big, mm-hmm. instantly you're like you have sleep apnea. I don't even have to. Not that I'm saying that you were that big, but I mean right. it's just yeah. overweight people, yeah. like really obese people. You look at it, you're like, yeah, you have sleep apnea. Like uh, like you don't even have to tell me. I know it. <clears> and it's with with you. If you said that. And you're like, I think I have sleep apnea because of this, this, and this, but it's gotten better instantly. Like, my mind was like, you have lost weight somewhere. You might not be lighter in pounds, yeah. but you've lost weight somewhere that has helped with that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the, like, one of the things I didn't expect was, like you talked about, you know, maybe I'll play music more or whatever. It really did reignite old interests in other things. Like I didn't even, I would come home and drink unless I was on call. And when I was on call, I couldn't drink cause I might have to drive, but that was it. And I was on call till 11 and I stayed up till 11 mm. every night. And the second it hit 11 drinking. Mm. So I was drinking almost. Yeah. I would say every night, um, yeah, I probably say I drink every night. <clears throat> Which not that not the drinking. Oh no, every yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get drunk every night, but yeah, I, I'd say I probably drink every night. Um. So, for me, that was bad though because I had that tolerance, but that tolerance was only a mental tolerance. You know what I mean? That's not like my body physically, not like physically doing a better job than anybody else of processing alcohol. My body was getting just as worn out as if I was getting drunk every night. It was my mental Cause tolerance. Because you probably it. were. 
Yeah. Yeah, prob- yeah, yeah, probably, you probably were. You like, just didn't realize by the, it. By, yeah, by, by definition, I was probably drunk every night. But I didn't act any different. I didn't feel any different. And I wasn't making stupid decisions. I would just get kind of talky sometimes. And every now and then I would start to slur. You know? But <clears throat> if I didn't tell you how many drinks I had and you didn't know like that I had this mental switch that I flipped a long time ago that was like, I'm not feeling this anymore. You know, if I started getting a little slurry and you were like, oh, how many drinks have you had? And I said, that eh, two, three. Most people would be like, yeah, okay. When in reality, I was three doubles. You know? Yeah, so with any, what else has made things mentally clearer for you like what what is it because obviously you would think that discovering new passions or rediscovering new passions that's instantly going to make your brain work better because you're making it work Mm -hmm. uh well one thing that i've always wanted to do was write a book yeah and uh i've kicked around ideas and started and stopped and i even had started the book that i'm working on now while I was still drinking, but I got like 15 pages in and put it down for like four months. I have picked it back up and started writing again. And that's been a big thing for me. Like I am around the 90 page mark now, which is nowhere near done, but you know, that's been huge for me because writing can be very therapeutic and it's <coughs> it's not as good as counseling as far as like for working through things um and by the way i do think one of the only reasons that i was able to not go into a back into a depression when uh when the like the last not the when the last big breakup happened um was because I'd recognized that I needed to go to counseling for what had happened uh, for, for not ever having grieved my grandmother um, like a month before we ended up breaking up. And uh, I didn't do a whole lot of counseling sessions, but one of the biggest things that uh, he taught me in my counseling sessions, my counselor, was um, negative feelings. aren't in and of themselves bad. Like, feeling sad is a normal response. Right? Right. And he said, you don't have to run from them. Part of, part of processing is feeling. Like, that's the first step to processing, feeling. He says, you're not letting yourself do that. So the next time you feel sadness, you need to let yourself feel it. Mm. You need to sit and feel it. Dude, seriously, it was one day after we broke up, I was in the shower, and I just sat down, and I was like, here it comes. Mm. I'm going to feel it this time. Cried like a baby. For probably a good 30, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just 
let it out, man. Now, I'm not going to say I was instantly better that day, but at the end of that, I was like, oh, that was that? That was it? Yeah. Like, I feel kind of halfway back to normal. Like, not back to normal, but like, I feel about as good as I did before that wave of sadness hit. That's what I've been holding on to all this time? Oh. So I think that's that was a huge thing for me. And that's the point of counseling, is not to make everything better, but the point of counseling and, and therapy is to give you the tools to be able to handle these things on your own. <clears throat> so if you're thinking about counseling, whoever you are, if you're listening, I would say try it. Counseling, I, I think it would benefit everybody. But... Anyway, I don't know why I got off on that tangent. Oh, yeah. Writing is not as good as counseling as far as working through stuff, but it is a very good tool for working through things, especially when you... That one's my bad. (laughs) Especially when you have it on paper and you can write it out and kind of stream of thought, stream of consciousness, whatever, and you go back and you read it and you're like, okay, I get where I was going, but this doesn't really make sense. And then you tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and then it's like okay this makes sense wow that's what I was feeling actually Hmm. like that hits the nail on the head you know like that's I think that's been a huge thing for me is 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 allowing myself to start working on writing and different projects and creativity and stuff like that and uh, exploring those feelings that I've kept bottled up for so long you know and I think that's a that's a big key component to the um, mental clarity. <laughs> I'm talking about how mentally clear I am. And yeah, like I can't the, even. Uh, yeah, like yeah. What is it? You the, know uh, that thing we're talking about. And I, like, dude, you got to realize this is the peak of my mental clarity. Yes, yes. Imagine what it was like beforehand. Yeah. Whoa. Maybe I'm not so good as I think I am. <laughs> you gooder than me. No make difference. I mean, no, I ain't. I mean, I never do that thing you said. <laughs> That's a How I Met Your Mother reference, by the way. So Those will be coming in plenty. Yes. Well, we, uh, <clears throat> do you have anything else that you want to add to that? How has... Uh, oh, I didn't even talk about like what my plan is going forward with sobriety and i I talked about a little bit in the last episode so i don't feel the need to really really dive deep into it but like for me i think another thing that's made this so much uh less scary is that i do have the goal of being able to drink again out of just enjoyment which means i need to work on the things that were causing me to over drink in the first place. And until I address those issues, I don't trust myself with it. And I, pro- I, I will never touch liquor again. And that's kind of sad because one of my favorite things in the world is whiskey. But at the end of the day, it's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. I'm a better person. Like even a hundred plus days in, you know, it's a fair trade. Um, but yeah, my, my goal is to work on this stuff to the point to where 
I can have a glass of wine or a beer with dinner and that be that and say that was good and then go on about my day. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, that'd be nice. It's uh, one of my favorite memes that I've ever seen. It's, it wasn't even a meme. It was just a text. But uh, it said, sits down and has a beer with lunch. Thought in your head, yeah, I'm getting drunk today. <laughs> like I, I felt that so much. I was just like, yeah, that's pretty much was, how it goes. That was I was laughing, but that was pain laughing. Yes, that was, that's oh, because that that's ouch. yes, that's so true. Ooh. Like, what is drinking for pleasure? I've, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever done that. Just I, just because you like the taste. But no, I I genuinely everything that's that's supposed to be an acquired taste, I liked right off the bat. Beer, coffee, whiskey, cigarettes, everything. I liked it right off the bat. Maybe you know. could also shut off your taste buds. No. <laughs> okay. I wish. Wouldn't that be nice? I wish. No, <sighs> it wouldn't be so fat. Well, we can end this now because I got to tell one of my funny Navy stories. I know you already kind of dove into one of them, but that's not the that's not the one that you want to tell. So, is there a is there a funny Navy story that you would like to share with the class? <clears throat> a drinking Navy story? Yes. This is uh, this is. <laughs> Boy, you didn't sound drunk just then. Yeah, this is you had to get into the mindset. What would tell you? Hold on, hold on. No, wait a minute. See, no, nobody, nobody can tell. No, <laughs> sh- shut up, shut. Up. Nobody can tell that I'm drunk because, sh- shut up, shut up, shut up right now. Nobody can tell that I'm drunk because I don't act no different. Okay? No, he doesn't. No, this is this is how he acts sober. Yeah, that's that's just me. Um, anyway, man, there's one I want to tell, but it's not gonna be the same because we don't have the screenshots anymore. Oh yeah, no, you can't That's, tell. You can't tell that one. That was so funny though, the because worst you just drunk text dude, that, I've ever even seen. Because we still even quote it all the time, just oh, because Bordas L. L, like the letter <laughs> L, like and, the model chickle. <laughs> I, I invented the word battle clicker on accident, dude. You fucking you sent me all those screenshots, and every time I got a new picture, I would laugh. <laughs> harder then you'd send another one i would start crying because i was laughing so hard at what you were sending dude that was one of those where that girl stopped talking to me i was like i get it i get it (laughs) if you're listening i get it uh (laughs) yeah if we didn't have the yeah if we had the screenshots that'd be good um man what's i don't know man what's uh a navy okay fun navy drinking story oh You've got. I was about to say you got to have one deployment oh. story. Oh, a deployment story, or just whatever. I'm just saying, like, like if you can't think of, if you can't think of one, just go back to your deployment. Okay, drinking or okay, okay. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. Bing. This is this is not a drinking story, but since I already explained what hangar bays are, oh, yeah. So on the Lincoln. I was on the Abraham Lincoln, the USS Abraham Lincoln, for the 2011-2012 deployment, okay? On that deployment, there was someone, some person. And we're not leaving names out here, because we we legit don't know. We don't know. Some person that we all lovingly nicknamed the Phantom Shitter. And they got this nickname because for a while... 
we would find turds in places turds did not belong. <laughs> but they were placed conspicuously like they, like they wanted be, like they to be found. <laughs> it's like you open like you open your locker and uh you grab something and you close it and you go what? <laughs> and you open it back and there's just a turd sitting there. <laughs> How? <laughs> Why? And and good job. <laughs> I know how the shit gets outside of the toilet. Because that one, that one also mind boggled me. Because that means that whoever it was got the combination for the lock and opened it. This was in your locker? No, it wasn't. Oh, in my just locker. someone's locker. Yeah. And opened it and put a turd in there, and then put it back and closed. Dude, it had to have been that guy. You like, think it was? He, you think he put it in his own locker? Yeah, like he would be the last person that anyone anyway. would suspect. Anyway, anyway, like, why would I shit in my own in my own <laughs> locker? <laughs> it's like the uh, that who pooped the bed episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh huh. It was me. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was me. I did it when you were talking right there. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, that's not the best one. I mean, we found them everywhere. It's, like, everywhere. Just random turds. They were never huge. Just, you know, just turd. Just turd. What if he had, like, one long turd and just kept cutting little segments off of it? <laughs> like, like, what if he... You, we were talking yesterday that someone somewhere has taken the biggest shit in the world and has no idea that they did it. <laughs> What if he knew he shit and was like, I have to, I have to share this with the world. This is my master. This is my magnum opus. He's just going through, just cutting them into little Twinkies, or Twinkies, little, uh, the magnum, little Tootsie Rolls. Magnum poopus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so anyway, on the, on the ship, you have to do what's called FOD walk down. For those who have never been on a ship, FOD stands for, it's an acronym, because everything in the military is an acronym, and it stands for Foreign Object Damage, right? So a FOD walk down is where you walk a hangar bay or a flight deck or a flight line or whatever, looking for little things that can get sucked into a turbine engine and screw things up. And if you find, like, a screw or a piece of wood or something hard, you stand exactly where you are and you raise your hand and yell hard fod right so what you do is you line up in rows shoulder to shoulder and you walk across the hangar bay with your head i don't know why i'm miming it out they can't see you walk across the hangar bay with your head down looking <laughs> scanning you know your little area in front of you for for stuff to pick up well on this particular day, in the middle of Hangar Bay 2, <laughs> sat the most <laughs> pristine turd. <laughs> I have ever, it was seven inches long, if it was an inch, first of all. <laughs> and it was beefy. It was, <laughs> it was a chunker. 
And it was all one piece, which is rare for shits when you're on deployment. <laughs> yeah, that, that food is not good for you. No, it's uh, when it, it, if it's coming out mostly liquid on the way out, like chunky water is how I would describe it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's not good for you. It's not nutritious. Um, stop doing that to yourself. But anyway, just a turd, man. Just right in the middle of everything. That's literally the equivalent of pooping in the middle of a Walmart that's full of employees with no shelves, no corners, nothing to hide behind. It was a fucking mystery. (laughs) And we never found another turd. (laughs) We never found another turd. I don't know why I turned into Jerry Seinfeld. He probably he probably ran out of he probably ran out of his little hard giant Tootsie Roll that he had. What if it was an actual Tootsie Roll and y'all he got thought a it was giant yeah. Tootsie Roll and he just <laughs> rolled them into turds? <laughs> that, I don't know if I would be Dude, no disappointed one, or I don't know because there's no way someone's going. Yeah, it's a turd. It's a turd. Like nobody smelled that. Nobody, thing. nobody's pulling a caddy shack. Now see here, there's just a caddy No, bar. this is this is fine. So what would you? Would that be hard fod or soft fod? Right. That's what I. I don't know. What would you? Someone find out. I guess. I guess someone it would pick depend it on. I guess it would depend on how quickly you found it. Uh huh. Anyway. <laughs> so, and this was like fairly early on in deployment. And it never happened again, so that left us speculating as to how this happened. He had to have pooped into his hand or something. There's People, no way he dropped trowel in the middle of Hangar Bay no, 2. No, no, So, there were two prevailing theories. <laughs> One was that he pulled a Sean... Sh- I say he, it could have been a she. Yeah, that is absolutely... <laughs> Absolutely true. They pulled a they. Shawshank Redemption shit and just shook it out of their pant leg. <laughs> yes, right. That doesn't hold up to me because the thing was straight and it wasn't dented. It was perfect. wasn't bent or smushed on one end. Like, no, that doesn't hold up. What I think happened. What I think happened was that every day somebody took a magazine to the toilet, <laughs> took a dump, and before flushing, stood up, turned around, and looked, and went, "Not today." Whoosh! You think they until, into the toilet until? Oh, happy day! <laughs> That's the one, and they put it in the magazine, and they carry it. Across the hangar bay, and they go, oh, my stars, my boot's untied. And they bend down to tie their boot, and they set the magazine on the ground, and they tie their boot, look around, nobody's looking, stand up, grab the magazine, let the turd roll out, keep walking. <laughs> That's what I think happened. There's no way he, there's no way he, sh- he or she <laughs> shit in the toilet. And then they reached in and grabbed it. I would think that they would just put the magazine down shit on it and be like, no, that's not a good one. But that's even, but no, th- that's think weirder about all the too. magazines that you'd waste. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe it wasn't a magazine. You think that they just, like, took a rubber glove 
into the toilet. It might have been toilet paper. And, and then and then walked through the hangar bay with the, the hand and the turd in their pocket. No, no, of course not. But <laughs> no, but toilet paper dissolves, it would have stuck to the turd. God, dude. <laughs> I got to know. <laughs> Cause see, our best one, we had a Kim Light bandit, and that was it. He just cracked Kim lights and threw it in the water, and we had to do <laughs> They had, and then we all had to do just man overboard drills. We didn't have turds laying around. Yeah, I like I really did luck out as far as uh, an entertaining deployment. You lucked out with like an entertaining everything because you went on a Westpac and you went. You got it was a world cruise, but our our western port was just West Middle East is all it was. It was Turkey. Yeah, so. And then you got to you, you got to do the shellback ceremony, uh, yeah, which I I, I, I am so fucking jealous of that one. I did get that. That yep. was fun. I'm a dirty little wog, <laughs> slimy, slimy wog. That's all right. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's most people's favorite Navy. Well, I don't know if I'd say it's most people's favorite Navy story of mine, but it is it is up there. The Phantom Shitter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. There. That one's it so funny. It's, funny. it's 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 more fun to speculate. Yeah, that's where the real fun. We comes need in. to set up an email account for this one, and then see if how many people would want to email in their theories. Because you know we're gonna have at least one listener. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I really do think the magazine is what happened. That has to be it. There's, I just, there's, I just don't see any other way around it. It's so. So he had to reach into the twenty four seven. There's somebody in that hangar bay. How, like, and also, how many times do you think that this person reached into the commode, thought that they had a winner, and went to pick it up, and it fell apart? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, ah, curses! <laughs> I'll get it tomorrow. I need to eat more fiber. <laughs> fiber, which is hard to do on the shoes. <laughs> raisin bran. That's all speaking, it was. Like speaking, the little... speaking of hard. Things.